0: Welcome to the Genealogy Happy Hour, a place where new family historians can learn to document their family histories and celebrate their new
1: discoveries. I'm Amy, and I'm Penny, and we're here to help you discover your family tree from the beginning. Welcome to episode 63. Today, Amy and I are going to be talking about some of our brick wall breakthroughs and what we've discovered in our research. But before we get into that, and before we talk about wine, I want to make sure you all stay tuned for a little um, update at the end of our podcast. So Amy, what wine do we have for this episode?
0: So for this episode, one of my favorites, it's from Spain. It's an Albariño called Martin Kodak's. And it is a light-bodied white wine with um, some rich peach and citrus flavors um, with some acidity, but it's really easy to drink and one that I enjoy quite a bit.
1: Excellent. I'm going to have to try that because I see that it is at our local wine store. There you go. (laughs) okay so we've been doing um some research and have broken through a couple Um, yours is way more exciting than mine so i'll go first and we'll leave the really juicy stuff for later tell me about your brick walls (laughs) what did you break through um so mine isn't really a mine isn't so much a brick wall breakthrough but it's a refined so i think some uh genealogists and family historians will Feel, feel my pain of you've decided to go down one route, which I'm going down uh, uh, the route of my German side of my family and looking at the Freitag family. And I know I had a ship log from when this particular family came over in 1851. I've seen it. The name is spelled F-R-E-I-T-A-G in the ship log, but everywhere else. It's even in the um, uh, baptismal records I found, it's F-R-E-Y-T-A-G. And they kept the F-R-E-Y-T-A-G when they got over here.
0: So you remember this ship log?
1: I do remember remember it. I remember it it clearly. Like I can see it in my brain, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, did I save it? I don't know, because I don't have it anywhere on my computer or in my files. So if it's saved, God only knows where I put it. Did I cite it? No, because that was way back when, when I was, you know, first starting out. I I didn't cite it. Um, But I did manage to write down the month and the year. So I'm like, great, November 1851, and the ship is the Ella, or the Bark Ella. And I'm... Trying to put all that in in a variety of places that are indexed, and you know, coming up with zero. So, as my normal thing is kind of like to like, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll search it tomorrow. I finally was like, nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna search for it until I find it. And I ended up having to dig deep on family search and go into their uh, logs for their going through their. German wiki, and finding some uh, pages that finally sent me to ship logs for Bremen, and it lists every month. So I I saw of November 1851, so I had to go through that microfilm all the way through, and do you know I found it?
0: Day by day. Wait, so you had to go through day by day?
1: Day by day. Looking through every every ship log, and I found an Elba and an Eliza, you know. And I'm like, did I have it wrong? You know. So I would look through the entire list, passenger list, just to be sure, because I didn't want to miss anything. But November twenty sixth, the Bark Ella left Bremen for New York, and there they were on the list. Four days before the end of
0: the month. Four days before the end of the month, you found. But Mm -hmm. you did find them.
1: Yes, I found it. I was very excited. Saved it in a dozen places with the citation, so I'm good. I'm golden. I won't ever lose that again. Yeah. So I was I was pretty excited about that. That was a that was a big thing for me because it's something I've been wanting to to relocate as is a <laughs> wedding announcement in a newspaper that I saw once. Again, never saved it because this is like years ago when I wasn't even thinking of how to or had the knowledge of how to do all that and I cannot find it again but that's another thing I'm determined to find is this um, marriage announcement in a newspaper
0: this is also from the Freitag family
1: no this is this is I don't even want to say it okay it's from sorry it's in the not the not the direct Burke line but (laughs) okay all right it's in that line okay yeah so I was really happy about that and what I guess what led me on this charge to the to the Freitag research was um, I spent the last weekend listening to quite a few of the recordings from Roots Tech Connect, which I hope some of you out there had also um, gotten a chance to listen to because they were really good. And two of my favorites were um, the useful tools for finding German ancestors by. Um, Dana Palmer, she was really good. And as you know, last year I did a big French genealogy research into my Alsatian ancestors. So I've got all these documents that I cannot read. And I listened to the beginning French research for non French speakers by Amberly Beck. And she was really good. I mean, easy to listen to, gave a lot of great tips. So I am going to be probably most of this summer going through some of those documents and seeing if I can now um, translate a little bit of those since I have some idea of what I'm doing. Nice. Which very helpful.
0: Very good. Yeah. Yeah, cool.
1: All right, Amy. Cool. Hit us with this major, major breakthrough you had.
0: I'm so excited about this. So, you don't sound it. Come on. No, You're so I am excited. very excited. I'm very excited. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so at, at my work, um, several of us are uh, members of the Association of Professional Genealogists. And um, being a part of that association means that you commit to um, continuing education. Every year, um, minimum hours of continuing education, and so to make sure that we make we meet um, the minimum at least for the very least, we all get together once a month and we watch a, usually watch a webinar because we're all in different locations, and so we all get together on Zoom and watch a webinar. And this last month, we watched. The um, on Legacy Family Tree webinars, which you and I have talked about before. Great series. Um, the um, Board for Certification in Genealogy has their series um, on there. And we did happen to listen to one um, from that series. It was presented by Ruth Randall, and it was called A Family for Suzanne. Now, uh, Miss Randall, she won uh, the 2007 family history writing contest, I'm sorry, the um, NGS family history writing contest in 2007 uh, with this research, A Family for Suzanne, but it's just this year that she's actually done a webinar on it. And um, what um, she has done is um, shown a case study in how she has used historical documents to identify significant events in the life of an enslaved woman who was purchased by a man in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, when she was about three, three and a half, four years old. And she takes you through this woman's life um, based on the documentation that she was able to locate. And so that really made me start thinking about a project that I had put in the back burner for many years. Um, And it was one of um, a family relatives and one of my in-laws belongs to an old family, uh, old Florida family who can trace their lineage back um, six or seven generations here in florida they came into florida from georgia in the 1820s when florida um, became a territory of the united states and they settled in northern um, florida around the tallahassee area and there were a lot of plantations a lot of cotton plantations up there during that time and when the patriarch died in the fall of 1858 he left a large estate Uh, to his four surviving sons and his four daughters. And he also left a last will and testament that was written in 1855, and it was proved shortly after his death in 1858. And so um, in researching their family, I had received a copy of um, his estate papers um, from Leon County, Florida, and it was like 67 pages of this estate um, because it was a pretty large estate. And it went, went on it was being administered for i think about four years um and but in these papers it lists the names of 60 excuse me 26 enslaved individuals and so um and there are also some there are also some children in addition to the 60 the 26 children of the excuse me the 26 individuals there's also some children that are not named but um I always wanted to try and figure out what happened to those people and try and trace them after the war and discover uh, their stories after enslavement. Um, so with Miss Randall's inspiration, I decided to pick that project back up and, um, I've already had some success. It's just to my, awesome. sur- to my surprise, <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> I was like really surprised, um, so what I did was um, I started. I took with I started with his um, his will, and in his will um, he that he wrote in 1855 he left um, some. He had his oldest daughter, and he named three enslaved individuals that he gave to his daughter sometime prior to that will being written, and so. In the will, he says that he goes, that he bequeaths those three individuals and they each have names. Um. So I thought, okay, well, maybe that's a good starting place. I also knew that none of his four sons received any of the slaves um, that um, are named in the estate because there was a codicil that he wrote, I think about a year before he died. And the two older sons, they're just supposed to get cash from the estate. And the two younger sons who were teenagers at the time, um, older teenagers, they were just entitled, they were just going to be given the land, and um, everything else was supposed to be sold. So I knew that, that none of the enslaved individuals were, were went to any of the four boys. Um, I did know that of the 26 enslaved individuals, that there were eight that had um, been distributed to the four daughters and I had their names. So I knew from those eight individuals, I had a name and I knew where they had been transferred to. So that was a good starting point. Um, I also knew that many times um, after emancipation or um, even after uh, manumission, that the former slaves would often use their former owners surnames because they didn't have surnames. So with those kind of starting points, I started with those three individuals that I knew had been, um, were living with um, the man's oldest daughter. And I knew, you know, her husband, I knew his surname. Unfortunately, her husband's name was Richard Johnson. Great. <laughs> so, and I really, um, I, can't, I can't even find the Johnson family in the 1860 census or, in the slave schedules. Um, you know, I might have found it. It just goes by, like, initials or like two initials. And then Johnson, I'm not sure if that's him or not. So it, that really wasn't working for me. The commonality of that surname, it's going to be time-consuming. So I quickly moved on from that. <laughs> <laughs> because that wasn't, yeah, that was going to take a while. So, um, but I moved on. I chose the next... Um, person on, on their, their list was an enslaved woman who was singled out in the probate documents because the executor of the estate what happened to be the son-in-law of the, the man who died and he was married to the second oldest daughter and he's commenting on the change in her value so um, right after the man died in 1858 there was an appraisal of the estate, and that included, of course, all the enslaved um, people that were a part of the estate. And then there was another uh, appraisal done in 1862, so about four years later, three or four years later. And this particular woman, her name was Margaret, and she went to live with the uh, executor of the estate and his wife about 1851. He said it was about seven years prior to the probate, um, probate of the state, which the estate again was probated in 1858. So seven years ago, she was living with them in 1851. This was about a year after they got married, so maybe she was a wedding gift to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, it's so hard
1: to think of that. I know, you know?
0: I know, but that it, the timing is about is is about right. So
1: yeah,
0: and he says that she was 11 years old at the time that oh she gosh. came to live with them, right. But now, seven years later, she has a child and that's the reason for that the value has increased. So she was valued, by, so he says what the value was in 1851 and what the value is now. But that she's been living with them and he's basically saying that he's t- claiming her out of the, his wife's part of the inheritance so
1: wait he's claiming her
0: for himself
1: for his for his wife <clears throat> oh, for, for his, his wife,
0: wife. Okay. Yeah, for his wife's portion because the, the the enslaved the estate was supposed to be divided up and, and all of the the slaves were to be divided amongst the children so okay okay um yeah so um so when she was first the when the estate was being initially probated and there was an initial valuation in 1858 She's listed by her name, and it says that she has a child. But it doesn't list a child's name in 1858. But in the 1862 that revaluation, she's listed not with two child, children now. So it still says her name is Margaret, but now she has two children, Mary and Morgan. So I said, okay, well, now I kind of have an an idea of when she was born. You know, if she was living with them. She was 11 years old when she went to live with them in 1851. Then she would have born born about 1840. And that I know that the first child, Mary, was born between 1851 and 1858. So I've kind of got an idea of when she was born. And then the younger um, child, Morgan, I know he was born between 1858 and 1862. So now I have three members in a family, children that would probably be still young enough to be living at home in 1870 when we have the first census that would include um, all um, african-americans who even if they had been enslaved they're now free and they're now on the 1870 census so the only thing i don't know is i don't know what last name she's using so um i Took a chance, and I said, okay, well, I know she's been living with this family since she was 11. She probably continued. He says that he was claiming her, so let me try that last name because it's not, it's an unusual, more of an usual last name. And sure enough, I found them. I know. <laughs> right? You should be excited for me. <laughs> I'm excited for you, too. And I was able to find her. And then she, she's listed with um, the oldest daughter is a Mary, the second child, her son is a Morgan, is Morgan. And then there's some additional children after that. She married a man, I found the marriage record in 1866. He also has the same last name. So more than likely, he was also enslaved with that family. Okay. You know, she was 11 years old. She came to that property and that's probably what I was, she meant, I was kind yeah. of
1: wondering if there was the, mm-hmm. the father of the children and yep. who, who that would mm-hmm. be. Yeah.
0: Yep. And there was actually a marriage record um, and which was exciting as well in 1866. And then and there they are in 1870. And so far I've been able to trace two of those children, um, the son Morgan, and then um, a younger daughter, Sarah trace them. So I've been able to find her, um, two, her grandchildren and then even some great grandchildren. That's exciting. So I know Morgan actually, his family actually, um, they um, migrated up to Connecticut and um, I found them in Connecticut. So that was really exciting. So I was so excited. I was really bolstered by my find. And so I was like, okay, well let me try another family set because that seemed to work real, well. So I chose another enslaved woman. Um, Her name was Bina, and she was Urbina, um, and she had two children, Rose and Manda. But um, I wasn't sure what surname they were using. I didn't know what happened to them. I just know that they were um, listed on the appraisements twice with those names all connected together and i tried the couple of surnames that i knew none of them seemed to work so i just kept fooling around with them. i didn't know how old they were finally just using some trial and error i i found them i know like i found them i found a woman i mean luckily you know her 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 first name perseverance
1: amy it's perseverance it is
0: it's her first name, Bina, was you kind of unique, but not as unique as you would think it would have been, and in northern Florida, but um, I was able to, I think I, I ended up finding it through Rose, using Rose as the, the child, and then Bina, but I found a woman who had two children, Rose and Amanda, or Amanda, she was married to a man, um, I did not find the marriage record, and they're using a surname that I was not familiar with at all, it did not come up in any of the probate. Because the other thing I was looking for was uh, many of the enslaved people had been hired out during the probate process. So that the estate was still earning income from their work, but they were being basically hired out to um, different um, plantations in the area. So it told me which, um, which person they were being hired out to. So I was looking kind of looking for those names, too. And I still need to kind of look for those names. But this woman had a completely different na- surname. Interesting. I'm assuming she's using her, her husband's name um, because he had the same surname. And um, But they're a little more elusive. Um, I found some grandchildren, but um, it looks like he actually, her husband lived into 1900. He was almost 100 years old when what? he, or 100 years old when he died. According to the 1900 census, he's 100. Um, so he was much older than she was, but, um, so I've got some, a little bit more work to do there, but I was super excited about that. So, so far there's two family groups that I found. There is a third family group, um, an enslaved woman named Clarissa. I know she had three children and I know their names. Um, but two of the children were separated from her, um, in that course of the four years between the first valuation and the second valuation. So she's always, there's always this one child with her. His name is Bill, but the two older children, I think they're two boys, they're separated out. And, um, I was able to find out how old the younger, one of the children was. He was actually six years old when he was separated from her and sent to the younger daughter of the decedent. Um, as part of her portion of um, the enslaved peoples. And so now that I know about how old he is, I know that he was born about uh, 1854. And I know his name and I know which um, plantation he went to, what surname he might have used. I'm going to try and see if I can find him in the very least. But I couldn't find her. I was hoping that maybe I could find her and the boys all back together again but it doesn't look like it that I'm going to be able to find them like that. So, but I will keep on undoing that. Um, and then keep on looking for them. So, um, there's a couple of things that I was curious that, that didn't work out for me. And first of all, the, the women's families, those four daughters, I, I only know what happened to two of them and I can't find two others. So I, I know what kind of happened to the women, but not their husbands. And I need, mm-hmm. I would like to see their husband's probate because I think some of the husbands died. I know that one of the husbands died in 1862 during the war. I'd like yeah. to see, yeah, I'd like to find his probate to see if it lists, um, you know, any enslaved peoples and if I could find any that matched the, um, the other probate. So that's something that I want to do. I need to track down those Johnsons. And I also need to look for... Um, The other people uh, who are listed as hiring, having hired those, um, those different people to see if maybe um, they ended up in, uh, you know, being owned by those, those individuals and look at probably some deed work needs to be done because if they were sold or transferred during the probate process, they would be um, in the deeds of the counties, so There's about three or four counties up there in northern Florida that I'll need to look at to see if maybe I can find that they were sold. Because I think that that some of them actually ended up being sold rather than transferred to the children because um, the case went on for a while. The war was going on. I think they needed the money. So I need to find out exactly what happened to the rest of them. But anyway, some exciting, some exciting finds. And um, hopefully I'll be able to um, find a few more.
1: Yeah, and it's always good to hear, you know, their survival after mm-hmm. all that tragedy, you know, and right, you know what happened to the families, right? Yeah, yeah, married with the kids, more kids, right. that's great. Yep, exactly.
0: Yeah, yep. So they, um, and I, I would, I would highly recommend. You uh, take a uh, listen to Ruth Randall's because hers is exactly the same situation. You know, you've got this little three or four year old who gets sold in Cape Girardeau, but the legacy that she leaves, um, you know, turns Mm -hmm. into um, some very positive um, and very productive individuals.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's so so great, Amy. That's um, that's awesome.
0: It was very exciting. Those are very exciting finds. So, yeah, you. Yeah. So, so those are my brick wall finds, um, you know, got some inspiration and got some information for some people who know more than I do. And I was able to put that to use and hopefully, I'll keep on yeah. learning.
1: So go check out a, go check out a webinar and get inspired for your research Absolutely. somehow. Yep. Yeah. Was, I, th- I think that whole continuing education, watching something and having somebody lead you to some, to some direction that, Oh, I've never tried that before. Let me go do this. You know, mm-hmm. and you, you never know what you can find for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it has come to the end of this podcast where we have a little bit of news. Um, Amy and I are going on hiatus mm-hmm. from our podcast for a bit. For a bit. Yep. For a we bit. We might be back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're taking some time off. That's that, That's the status right now. We're taking some time off. We will still be sending out our um, weekly um, quick tip, and they are super quick tips. If you have signed up for our quick tips, uh, we try not to bog down anybody's email. We just want to be like, hey, check this out. Um, I don't... Amy and I do not write long write-ups about, oh, when I was in my grandmother's kitchen, da-da-da-da-da. Um, we just want to get you the information. Here's a website to go check out. Try to look this up. You know, something that we've come across that we might find, that think that might be helpful to you all. You can sign up for those on our website. Um, and we send those out once a week, mostly. And um, so we'll, we'll still be doing that, but we are taking a break from and you, the podcasting for a little bit.
0: And you can still listen to all of our um, previous podcasts uh, through SoundCloud or iTunes or our website. Or wherever you find them. Wherever, wherever you, you find, find us. Yes, they're still there and they're going to still be available and, um, our, so blog, do, and our blog will still be up. Don't us
1: off your list. We, we might be back in, in a little while. but We're taking a little break. So. And we've, we've really enjoyed doing this podcast for you and sharing our journey of um, <laughs> genealogical growth and, you know, stepping out of our comfort zone, even doing a podcast um, with you guys. And we really appreciate you all listening to us. And we're very grateful for the audience that we have. And we love the emails
0: and um, the things we love to hear the things that you're doing. And we've gotten some really interesting um, emails over the last couple months. So please keep us informed and keep us updated as you have new developments or you have questions or anything that, you know, you can, you want somebody to bounce something off of, feel free to email us. We'll always respond. So until next time. cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Please email us with
1: any questions or comments at genealogyhappyhour at gmail.com. Visit our website, www.genealogyhappyhour.com, for additional resources, books, and wines. Don't forget to drink responsibly. And never drink around genealogical documents.